Hello everyone, Jordan Stoltz here, your host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast, recording another episode here on Wednesday, January 10, and it's a workout Wednesday where I'm talking about, well, it's a listener Q&A, and I'm talking about Olympic lifts, conditioning, switching up your exercises and your training, and how my own training is going in 2018, kind of what my goals are, what I'm working on, and the projects I have cooking. Hopefully you like this episode a little bit longer to try to make up for some of the shorter shows I've been doing. Thank you for your support of the podcast, regardless of the episode length or the content. I appreciate all of you, and I look forward to answering more of your questions as the show goes on. Let's get down to the show. Workout Wednesday, baby. Let's go. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. Hello, everyone. It's Jordan Stoltz, your host of the Triple F Podcast. Nice to see you today. Well, to talk to you today. It is a workout Wednesday. Workout Wednesday. I'm talking fitness. I'm talking lifting. I'm talking uh, general workout advice, I guess. And uh, I'm looking forward to today's show. Going to be a little bit longer today, uh, strictly based on that. Some of my other episodes have been a bit shorter. Uh, so I have been a little bit busy. Like I talked about on Monday, struggled with some prioritization uh, things in my kind of hectic new schedule here. So Got it figured out, and I'm coming out with a longer one to try to make up for some of the shows. But like I said in the intro, I'm grateful for all of you supporting the show regardless of the length and regardless of the topic. You always give me good feedback, which I'm really grateful for. Uh, Anytime you share the podcast with your friends and family, that means a ton. Just talking about it, spreading the word, pointing people over to the show, that really helps the podcast grow. And also uh, following me on social media, seeing what I'm up to, StoltzFit on Instagram, Fitness, Food, and Freedom on YouTube. Really appreciate all of those. Uh, And then the reviews as well. Don't forget, if you leave a review on iTunes, you are entered to win a free Triple F t-shirt. So go leave a review right now on iTunes uh, to be entered to win that shirt. So thank you to everyone for your continuous support of the podcast. I am expecting and hoping for growth. I'm going to keep on coming out with good content and keep on providing value to all of you uh, who are the loyal listeners. Hopefully that attracts even more and we just keep growing the show together. The point of the podcast really is to just give out free information though. I mean, you know, it's not me trying to make a buck. It's not me trying to grow a massive audience to sell to. It's really just trying to clear up some confusion uh, in in the industry, provide good content uh, that people ask me about and just an outlet for me to talk about something that I'm really passionate about and that I do every day, you know, and that's really what the podcast is for. So thanks again for your support and let's get down to today's episode. Now I am doing a Q&A today answering three or four questions. I got some co- some questions mostly via Instagram where they're asking about my own training because I haven't been posting a lot about my own workouts. And I no- normally I'll post a few pics of what I'm doing. The last picture I posted uh, was a max set of deadlifts with four 
what 455 I think it was on the bar and that was really focusing on those power lifts right getting that deadlift up over 450 was a really big goal of mine uh, in 2017 and then also just getting that total weightlifting total up and putting on some putting on some strength right I'm young and the hormones are optimized for strength building and that's really what I was focusing on last year is really building size but mainly building strength so I did get some questions about, you know, what is your training looking like now in 2018 since I have been kind of quiet about it. I did kind of give a little teaser that you're going to see some more, uh, maybe some more content on my training. I'm still working some of those kinks out as far as YouTube is concerned. I would like to post some more workout content on YouTube. Most of my training is done in the athletic department at the University of Nebraska, which I don't really film in, kind of keep these two areas of my life pretty separate. Uh, but I, I am looking into some other options. I'm just going to leave it at that for my own training. Um, but well, I mean, I'm looking into some more body weight focused training and trying to film that for you and giving you guys workout ideas, teaching you really how to program body weight exercise and not just body weight exercise, but exercise that can be done anywhere, right? Exercise like fitness routines at home, fitness routines in the park, on the beach, in the mountains, whatever. I want to add really that freedom aspect into my training. So I believe the barbells, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, machines, whatever it is, your equipment in the gym is probably the best way to gain strength and size and develop your muscles uh, just because, you know, they're designed specifically, the exercises are designed specifically for uh, creating that stimulus, right? But a lot of times it's not necessarily promoting the freedom aspect, which is a third of my podcast name, right? Fitness, food, and freedom. And really it's about combining all of those and adding that freedom element into your fitness journey, into your nutrition journey, and making it more stress-free, I guess. So less stress involved, making fitness a part of your life instead of making your life about fitness. That's really my goal here at the show. So I want to come out with some content as far as my workouts are concerned, showing you how how to do that, how to make do with little equipment, make do in a home gym scenario, make do uh, in whatever kind of scenario you have going on, right? That's really what I wanted to come out with content. So right now, I'm actually still lifting in a similar way to 2017 at the athletic department, doing my compound lifts, right? A lot of squats, a lot of deadlifts, uh, presses, really trying to get uh, the squat a little bit caught up to my deadlift, which is pretty strong proportional to my body weight, but the squat's pretty average for my body weight. So trying to get that squat up as far as powerlifting is concerned, always adding in pretty functional movements, farmer's walks, uh, conditioning, things like that. And then also actually throwing in Olympic lifts into my own training. That's kind of something I'm working on as of now, unless I switch over to a more flexible freedom-based approach that I will film for you guys, right? So there's two things cooking here. One is that I'm working on the Olympic lifts. Two is that I'm probably going to transition sometime into more of a freedom-based workout system, which is going to involve a lot of bodyweight workouts and home workouts. And I'll film those for you guys and put that up on YouTube and talk about it on the show. The Olympic lifting is going pretty well, working on the snatch, the clean, and the jerk, and primarily on the snatch and the clean, uh, just as practice, right? Getting better at them. Basically, 
Like I like the list. That's actually one of the questions we're going over today. I like the lifts, but really why I'm doing this is for coaching ability. So a big part of my job is coaching those lifts. And I feel like I need a little bit more confidence in lifting myself in these movements before I can really, you know, instruct a high level athlete on how to do the Olympic lifts. So working a lot on the snatch, I did snatch yesterday, went pretty well, pretty uh, sore and beat up today, which is a kind of comes with the Olympic lifts a little bit, Uh, but doing cleans today and just kind of practicing these lifts in conjunction with my normal training. And then I will still do them even if I kind of transition over more to body weight things. That's my own training, really focusing on the conditioning aspect as always, never ignoring that and making sure that, you know, I stay in good shape, but also get, you know, big and strong. So that's basically what I'm doing. That kind of leads into my first question though, which is about Olympic lifts. Workout Wednesday. So yeah, the first question is about Olympic lifting. Basically, what I think about it, just a general my thoughts on kind of question, I did just mention I'm working on Olympic lifting in my own training. Now, I'm working on Olympic lifting not because I think it will give me the quickest results in what I'm looking for, but it really is just so I can coach it better and know them better and have more experience under my belt with these Olympic lifts, right? Like I said, that's the snatch, the clean and the jerk. If you don't know what those are, might want to look them up, maybe pause the show, look up what these lifts actually are. So you're not kind of confused when I go through them. But the snatch is basically a really wide grip on the bar. And you're throwing that barbell over your head in one movement. The clean is you are exploding with your hips, snapping your hips forward from a hinge position. And you're going to be making that, uh, making that barbell fly up and land on your shoulders in a nice front rack position. Uh, and then the jerk is when you are basically explosively pressing it over your head um, and landing in a, maybe a split stance or just a normal stance. Now, that's a very basic explanation of it. They're very complicated lifts, which I'll get into a little bit when I answer this question on what my thoughts are on Olympic lifting. Like, should you include it in your training? Now, I don't know the context of anyone who asked this question, what you are as far as your fitness, right? Are you a general population kind of person just wanting to get in shape? Are you competitive crossfitter? Are you a competitive athlete? Are you just wanting to train like an athlete and get fast and explosive and powerful? These are things you kind of need to look even on yourself and see, you know, what are my main goals and is Olympic lifting going to be the quickest way to get there? For me, I'm not a competitive athlete. I am a coach, right? And that's why I'm doing Olympic lifting is basically just to learn it. Uh, But I do have a different opinion on it, which kind of counteracts maybe it being in my own training a little bit, but I do think it's important to review kind of how important these things are. There's a lot of extreme positions on Olympic lifting as far as like it is the best way for power development. Some people say it is never safe for anyone to do, not good lifts. That's some other people, you know, stick to the power lifts. There's a lot of different opinions. My opinion is basically, basically to kind of simplify my opinion it's that they're so complicated the the olympic lifts are so complicated that you have to need them and you have to be instructed properly how to do them for them to be beneficial in your training they're very risky they take a long time to learn and there's a lot that could go wrong in the mechanics of the olympic lifts and for those reasons i typically don't prescribe them to people unless they specifically want to get better at the olympic lifts for a sport or they're really a high-level athlete who's used to that lift, 
or they have a coach that will show them how to do it, a good coach that's actually with them. Through online coaching, I'll never really uh, prescribe an Olympic lift unless that is a main goal, like if it's a CrossFit athlete or something maybe, but otherwise, no, because I'm not there to actually see it, see your mechanics, see the flow, see the bar path. It's a lot of different moving parts, and without actually being there, it's hard to instruct on how to do it properly. So I described the list for you, mainly the snatch, clean, and jerk. Those are primarily the the Olympic lifts. There's different variations, like doing them from the floor, doing them from a hang position, uh, split jerks, just normal jerks, push presses, lots of different variations, but those are the main three. And like I said, they're for specialized athletes. That's how I view Olympic lifting, and that's kind of how I would view it if I was you asking this question, is see Olympic lifting as something that's very specialized. So if you are in an explosive sport, for example, and you're high level at that sport, basically meaning you're not a youth athlete or you're not new into weightlifting and in athletic performance, sure, you could throw on your lifts if it's something like you're a thrower, right? A shot putter, discus, uh, javelin, maybe a football player who needs to be really explosive. Um, basically those, and I mean, the or you're actually training specifically for Olympic lifting. It is a sport in itself, right? Even CrossFit is a sport in itself, and you must train specifically for the things that you're going to be required to do in the competitions, which for an Olympic lifter is, of course, the Olympic lifts. CrossFit, a big part of it is being strong in the Olympic lifts. So in those cases, you will have to train for them. However, for the general person, just the average person listening to this who's seen the Olympic lifts been done, they might hear about them growing certain body parts faster than other lifts, I would generally say stay away from the Olympic lifts for a few reasons. One of them is that they're very hard to learn. Uh, You will need a coach to instruct you on these. It's not something you can really just Google on YouTube and, you know, watch a couple tutorials and be ready. You need someone to give you pointers because that bar is going to be moving fast, right? And it feels totally different of doing a snatch, for example, with an empty bar compared to doing one with 100 pounds on it, right? It might not seem like a big increase, but it's really going to change the mechanics and the bar path. So you really need somebody watching you and instructing you because these are very complicated. There's a lot of moving parts, right? Even the clean, which is kind of the simple thing about the hang clean. That's the simplest of Olympic lifts probably. And you're, you have to know how to do a proper hinge, which is actually harder than you would think when you're under load, a proper hinge, a proper, proper explosiveness with your hips to make that bar fly up. Then you have to have a proper bar path. So it's staying in the middle of your feet, the bars moving in the right way. And then you have to work on the catch as well, where you're swinging your elbows underneath and landing in a front squat position. There's a lot of different moving parts, probably, you know, five or six big moving parts of this lift. And it's really hard to do by yourself. So you need someone to instruct you on these and make sure you're doing them properly because of the mechanics of it. And that's reason number two, um, why I generally don't suggest the Olympic lifts is because it's very easy for the mechanics to break down. That's one big problem with CrossFit that I see is not really the workout structure. I mean, I get it. It's a competition. It's a sport of fitness, right? But a big problem is that a lot of times mechanics will break down in the lifting. So someone will be doing, uh, you know, cleans for, you know, 10 reps or maybe time sets of three minutes, you're doing cleans for three minutes with a good amount of weight on there. Your rep at minute two and a half is not going to look the same as your rep on minute 
um, you know, 30 second mark. So the best CrossFitters, the best at the sport are going to be the ones who can keep their reps clean without their mechanics breaking down throughout the whole time period or the whole rep range. And that's easier said than done. That's something that requires a lot of strength, a lot of uh, neuromuscular practice, and a lot of confidence. So I that's one thing that I typically don't like in programming is that if you're training the Olympic lifts, the smartest way to train them is in the low rep stages because they are explosive. So three rep sets, maybe five if you're doing a clean, uh, and then you know one and two rep sets as well. So sticking to those low rep explosives with trying to push the weight up week by week. But with this mechanics breaking down, it makes it very unsafe for the person who's not trained or doesn't have a coach watching them one-on-one. So those are really the reasons I don't put Olympic lifting in my programming. Uh, But if you do want it in your programming, uh, I would say there's some things to consider. Okay. So, uh, as far as programming for a let's say a general person, right? If it is something you want, though, um, I would suggest that you start practicing it, and that's really the main focus of programming of the Olympic lifting is going to be either just have a time block at the beginning of your workout, or maybe a whole day, of, you know, for each Olympic lift, and you're just going to practice that lift. You're not necessarily going to work out, quote unquote, with the lift. You're not going to do some crazy hard conditioning sets. What you are going to do is practice the movement pattern, practice that bar path, practice the catch, break it down into little parts. So if you're doing a snatch, maybe you just do the hip hinge for a week or two. Maybe you add in the pull. So you do snatch pulls for a while. You work on the catch. You work on overhead squats, mobility. There's a lot of different parts of this and it's just practice, right? Just to get the reps in, the movement patterns and get more comfortable with that bar path. That's really how I would first put it in for somebody, especially the general population that just wants to try it. If you are someone who wants to get better at the Olympic lifts for the sake of getting better at Olympic lifts, um, there's it basically follows the same programming as any other kind of powerlifting. And you can combine them like I'm doing where you'll put in maybe a you know, a power lift and Olympic lift in the same workout and they just finish it off with accessories. So I like to do maybe snatch and front squat together, uh, clean and bench press together, kind of pair things that don't necessarily uh, involve the other movement in, in one another, right? Just uh, kind of contrasting movements. That's how I like to program it. Uh, it's easier if you just specialize though. So if you really want to be good at Olympic weightlifting or you really want to get good at it for CrossFit or just lifting in general, and athletic performance, you probably want to specialize in it, find a good coach, find a good program, and really work on those lifts specifically. There are other variations, uh, which is kind of what I prefer for people though. So if you are just after the athletic development, the explosiveness, the power that is behind the Olympic lifts, which I don't argue with, right? You can get a lot of power increase from doing uh, cleans and snatches and things like that. But what I prefer is that you really don't do any Olympic lifting unless you're experienced. None of the full lifts, especially not from the floor because people can't get into the positions. Their mechanics break down. They're hard to learn. Uh, Unless you need it for your sport, you need it for what you're practicing for, I would probably never suggest it unless you have a coach. But I do like some of the other variations for power development. And basically what those are is going to be 
Number one, RDLs, which is a straight leg deadlift. This is basically the first portion of any Olympic lift. Try it with different grips. You're going to feel different uh, different work in different areas, especially in your back. Uh, I, I like those a lot, right? That's a very simple movement, but it is a pull that's related to the Olympic lifts. If you think about a clean, you're basically doing a very fast hip hinge. So why not slow it down and just work on that hip hinge in an RDL? Also, you can do poles, which are great for power. They're great for the hips, uh, great for the glutes, and also great for the shoulders and traps. So you're going to hold the bar, and instead of throwing the bar up and catching it like a power clean, all you have to do is pull it up to your belly button or even a little bit higher, right, to your ribs. That's great. That's probably all anyone ever needs, even elite athletes. I mean, here at UNL, most of the time, unless they're very experienced with the Olympic lifts, most of the time, all they'll do is the pull part, right? Clean pulls, block pulls, snatch pulls, whatever it is, just to get that same explosive hip movement, that's going to get you all you need for power development and athletic development. That's that's my thoughts, long-winded thoughts on Olympic lifting. Uh, not for everyone, definitely not something everyone should experiment with. But if you're really after that power development, try to do some different variations or maybe find a coach. All right, second question uh, from you guys, my listeners, is what are my favorite conditioning workouts? Good, quick ways to add in conditioning at the end of my lifting sessions. I like how this one really specified on when they wanted to put the conditioning in, right? Because if it was just favorite conditioning or you know keeping yourself in good shape, probably my answer would be very general, which would be throw in something high intensity at the end of your workout, walk a lot, be very active, or throw in a longer kind of cardio activity on your off days where you're not lifting, right? Which is going to look like sprints or running or something like that. However, this question is specifically requesting conditioning for the end of your workout. And that is the time where I know from experience, you feel like you are running out of time, right? You get by time you're done with your lift most of the time you want to go home and that's why so many people skip their conditioning or skip their cool down or skip their stretching and they just hop in their car and leave is because they have things to get to maybe they got to get to work in the morning maybe they want to get home maybe they want to eat dinner maybe they just have things to do whatever reason it is it's something that often gets skipped for me it's because usually I'm very tired by the time I get to the end of my workout So it's hard for me to want to actually do, you know, a a run or a big circuit or a big conditioning workout at the end of my weight training. Uh, And I never suggest it before your weight training, but if it's put at the end, even it's hard because you're going to be tired from that weight training. Your mechanics going to be broken down. You're going to start feeling like you maybe you're hungry or you're tired, and it's not going to be something you necessarily want to do. Makes it easy to skip. But I do have some favorite ones to squeeze in a lot of conditioning in a very short amount of time. You want to look at something if you're actually putting your conditioning after your weight training, which is probably one of my favorite ways to do it, uh, and then just stay active on your off days, but not necessarily have workouts where you have to run or something. What I prefer is short ones, so that's going to look time-wise probably like 10 minutes maybe 15 on the hard days, maybe even like seven or eight minutes. And that's it, right? Just really high intensity, kind of a finisher that's going to work the muscles as well as the conditioning. So you're not just going through a run for 30, 40 minutes. You're actually going to be going through movements that are going to help your lifting, maybe even build muscle, but also get you in great shape. That's kind of how I like to structure my conditioning. 
So I put down four four conditioning workouts here that I can describe to you guys, four different ones that I like and four different ones that I think you guys should try in your training, okay? This and just remember this can be done anytime, but really this is done after your weight training and just to kind of squeeze in your conditioning when you're short on time and you don't necessarily like long cardio on your off days. First one of my favorite conditioning workouts is EMOMs. That stands E M O M stands for every minute on the minute. And those are my one of my favorite types of workouts that's a, kind of a new style of conditioning that's coming out. Actually can be quite attributed to CrossFit for coming up with that style. But if used for conditioning and not just strength training, EMOM is great. So what it looks like an every minute on the minute style conditioning workout is going to look like you pick one exercise, maybe even two, and you do it every minute at the top of that minute. Whatever time you have left, that's what you can rest with, right? So let's say you have uh, kettlebell swings and 10 push-ups. So you do 10 kettlebell swings and then 10 push-ups. If you do that's probably a little bit easy even if you have a really heavy kettlebell that might work. Uh, so a nice heavy kettlebell swing, 10 reps, you drop immediately into 10 push-ups. Maybe you get that done in 20 seconds and you see the clock. You have 40 seconds until minute number two. That's the rest you get. By minute number five, maybe those sets are really hard and they're taking you 30 seconds to complete. At that point, you only have 30 seconds rest, so it's kind of working. Uh, it's making it harder as it goes on, which is also when you're getting more tired, which is something I really like. So you're gonna, you know, your rest is gonna decrease as you take longer. It's gonna motivate you to keep trying hard, going fast. It's gonna keep the rest down, and it's gonna be a very fast-paced, fun kind of workout, but getting a lot of work done in that time, right? If you do that for 10 minutes. You're going to get 100 push-ups and 100 kettlebell swings just in that workout I described, which, as you can see, would be very beneficial for muscular development and movement patterns, uh, but also for conditioning because you're not taking that rest and you're doing it in this very short burst kind of style. That's one of my favorite. That can be done with basically any exercise. If it's easy with just one, maybe do with two. This could also be used with Olympic lifting since we were talking about that in the last question. If you are pretty confident in doing a clean, that's a great one for an EMOM workout. And you're going to do, you know, maybe three cleans or three squats with heavy weight, rest only whatever's left of the minute and start over again. You can even do just, you know, heavyweight deadlifts or heavyweight squats and just doing a few reps is going to be very tiring when you're not taking much rest. It's going to be really hard and the time that you spend doing your sets is going to keep on increasing, which is going to decrease your rest. I really like that style for conditioning. That would be probably my first choice for conditioning. Second kind of workout I like for conditioning are barbell complexes. And this is basically for the same reason is that you can put in lifts and exercise and movements that are going to translate into your actual strength training. So you might not be pushing the weight really hard where you're getting stronger with progressive overload, but you're going to get better at those, at those movements. You're going to keep on, you're going to kind of force yourself to keep good mechanics even when you get tired, which is really beneficial. So how this barbell complex will look is pick a rep range. Maybe it's 12 to 20 and you're going to do, you're going to pick like five or six barbell exercises, use an empty barbell or throw on tens. Maybe if you're advanced, even 25s and add in all these different lifts all together with no rest. So it's going to look something like a straight leg deadlift. Maybe then you go into a barbell row 
overhead press, back squat, uh, and then maybe you throw in a jump or something at the end. That's going to be a basic barbell complex, just a bunch of barbell exercises thrown together in a circuit-style fashion, but you never put down the barbell, and that's what I like about it. It's working your grip strength. It's working all these different movements. It feels like a nice flow. It makes the time go by quick, and it's going to be very challenging for you for conditioning. So do however many sets, six to ten sets probably, and you'll be smoked after that. Uh, third favorite conditioning workouts are just regular sprints. I prefer hill sprints. If you have access to a hill, if you don't normal sprints are fine on a soft surface like grass or sand. Uh, this is a great one. Even a treadmill you can do if you're in a gym, uh, just, you know, a certain number of sprints. Don't worry about distance and time as much. Maybe just, you know, run for, I use a football field at the athletic department, so I usually, you know, will run 50 yards or so, um, and then what it, my rest is only the time it takes for me to walk back to the starting point. So I'm not standing there, I'm not sitting there, I'm not doing anything else. What I'm doing is just walking back. That's a very basic conditioning, but if you actually do it consistently, it's going to really yield good results in your conditioning. So try throwing in sprints at least once a week. You're going to really notice your body fat drop. You're going to really notice your conditioning skyrocket. You're going to notice leg strength and ab strength going up, and you're just going to be more explosive in general. Sprinting is probably one of the best exercises, probably one of my favorites uh, for for athletes and for just general people trying to get in shape. It really gets you in shape fast. So start with a you know, 10, 15 second sprint maybe, uh, maybe even a little less than that, and then just walk back or maybe times your rest by three. That would be about what you'd want. So if you sprint for 10 seconds, rest about 30 and keep doing that for 10 sets, maybe that's going to equal, you know, five to 10 minutes somewhere in there. My last one, which is a great conditioning workout, something that I've been trying and something that's brutal are lunges. Now lunges are something normally that you program into your strength training. And this is one way they can be used for conditioning, which I really like. Basically, let's say you have a track, like a 400 meter track, right? Uh, what a lunge conditioning workout is going to look like is you're just going to do that entire track, no matter how long it is, all with lunges, right? All with lunges. It's walking lunges the whole way in as little time as you can. If you're on a straight road, you just go down your street. Maybe you're going right down the block and back and that's your workout, but keep track of the time and never take a step without a lunge. So every step is a lunge. Your legs are going to be on fire after this and you're going to be breathing real hard. It's it's not going to take you very long, right? Especially if you don't push the distance too much, which I wouldn't do, especially if you're going there and back, you're not going to want to come back if you get too tired and sore, but you can lunge, lunge somewhere, lunge back, keep track of the time, write it down, try to beat that in the following weeks. It's a great way for conditioning and a great way to keep your legs in shape. Now, be be warned this might this might kind of start a lot of soreness. This might the first maybe two or three times you do it, you're going to be quite sore, but I would keep that distance a little bit shorter, maybe even add some weight and then just keep track of the time, keep on trying to beat it so you're not taking any rest. If it's easy and you're able to complete maybe, you know, 200 meters without much trouble, 
uh, and at that time it's time to increase the distance or add weight or just keep on shaving off time. It's a great way to do conditioning because it's using a strength training movement. It's very safe, whereas something like sprinting is maybe a little dangerous for someone who's not used to sprinting. Uh, But this lunge workout is brutal, very effective if you do it consistently. Those are probably my favorite four conditioning workouts that you can throw in. There are things like circuits uh, with ropes, kettlebells, sandbags, and all that. But these are my top four, which are basically uh, the EMOMs, the barbell complexes, the sprints, and the walking lunges for time and for distance. Hopefully those help. Try throwing those in. Like I said before, shouldn't take much more than 10 minutes, 15 at the max, and that can just be almost an afterthought in your training, but it should be when the intensity is the highest. So how your workout should look if you're programming is going to be a slow buildup, right? In your warm up and maybe one exercise before your most intense lift of the day. Then you're going to have a peak of intensity and from there a decline all the way down to your last movement and then one last spike. So it's going to look like uh, basically two two curves, right? Two mountains. You're going to have one peak in, in intensity, a decline, one last peak in intensity, and then a sharp decline as you end your workout. Last question of the day for this workout Wednesday. How often should one switch up their exercises? I've heard that the muscles need to be confused, but I've also heard from you that you have to practice your exercises and get those movement patterns down uh, to properly progress. So how do I stick to the method of progressive overload and still confuse my muscles? So this question basically is saying, um, you know, how often are you supposed to switch up your movements and your exercises in your training? So as a coach from a programming perspective, I have kind of basic principles, basic guidelines uh, if I was making a program for somebody. So if you bought online coaching from me, whether it's the four-week or a 12-week program, uh, you're going you're gonna to see the exercises kind of change probably about every month, right? So on my site, I offer a few levels of coaching. That's triplefpodcast.com slash products. The first one is a 12-week program where I just basically write the whole 12 weeks for you. Uh, That's the cheapest option, and that's because I'm assuming a lot of things as I write out that program. The second level is with more of a month-to-month kind of kind of scenario where you're getting a new workout that's customized every four weeks you're reporting back to me and we customize every month based on that that's probably my favorite one Um, and then the next level is adding more consultations and uh, customization in there so uh, switching up your exercises as a coach my principles are gonna be are going to be a little different than you might be used to. So if you're used to just the fitness game, you've probably heard about the muscle confusion, doing new things every time. Maybe you do a whole different kind of workout than you're used to and you notice you get crazy sore and you like that. In reality, the soreness isn't necessarily a good thing. And in reality, if you're making progress, it doesn't really, you don't need to change your exercises. I think simplicity is more powerful than than being making it complicated. Uh, that being said, you need to switch up your exercises occasionally for plateaus, but more often what I see with clients is boredom, right? No one wants to do the same two or three lifts every single workout for a year. So they need that variation. They need those exercises to be switched up just to keep it interesting, add a new stimulus, feel muscles they didn't know they had and make it exciting for them and motivate them. So that's really what changing up your workouts does. If you have a personal trainer, if it's me or somebody else, 
one of the main reasons I change up exercises or your coach will change up exercises is just for interest sake. And then sometimes it's to prevent a plateau, but that happens less than one would think unless you're very advanced. Well, something else to consider here with uh, exercise switch-ups is how much of a switch-up are we talking, right? You said something about muscle confusion and that can be taken a couple different ways. One side of the argument would completely switch the workouts altogether. So if you're doing a, let's say you're doing a barbell bench press, uh, you would change it to a one arm shoulder press, right? That's a completely different movement and it's a completely different muscle group. So you're really changing up your workout and you're really, you know, switching things up as far as variations concerned. However, the slight variation approach is probably a little bit better. And that's really one of my principles that I use as a coach. So what that's going to look like is every so often, which I'll get into in a little bit later, uh, you're going to change up the variation, which like, again, if you're doing a barbell bench press might just be doing a dumbbell bench press might be doing just a floor press where you're laying on the floor. Maybe it's a one and a quarter rep bench press. Maybe you're close grip, right? You're just, you're still doing the same basic movement pattern as far as your joint movements are concerned. Uh, but maybe your grip or the angle of the bench or, uh, the, just the basic movement, the exercise name is different, right? If it's a squat, maybe you go back squat to a box squat. Maybe you uh, go a back squat to a front squat, overhead squat, uh, goblet squats. You know, there's lots of different ways, but you kind of keep the same general principle. So you're still getting that stimulus and you're still getting used to that movement. So I wouldn't want to take out the squat altogether because when I throw it back in in a couple months, it might be a shock to your body. You're going to regress and you're going to get sore and it's going to be hard to progress. However, if you're just changing up exercises, even if they're just slight variations, each one is going to improve on that first variation, right? So if you're doing a normal barbell bench press, switching to a close grip bench press might be more focused on your triceps, but it is going to help increase your normal bench press. Dumbbell bench press the same way, maybe some less stabilization there, but you're still going to be increasing your strength related to the first lift. That's really how I like to program switching up your exercises, just very slight changes. It can be as slight as one notch incline on the bench, right? And that's going to just provide you with a different stimulus, keep things a little more interesting and make sure that you're not plateauing on the main movement. The problems with not switching at all really is that plateau and the boredom. Those are the main two. The plateau probably won't happen for most people. Uh, You know, you'll probably be able to make it almost six months without a big plateau. As long as you're programming your reps and sets properly. I mean, powerlifters do the big three all the time with not much, like a lot of people don't mix it up at all and hardly any assistance work and they still progress and get stronger. So you have to, uh, you know, you have to realize that plateaus actually don't happen that often. I, I would say though, that another problem with not switching your exercise variations at all is going to be that you are making yourself more prone to injury. So be very careful on being one dimensional. I'd say that's a really big problem. So, you know, if you want to get, you want to look like a bodybuilder, don't just do, you know, a certain chest machine. Cause you feel it in your chest, quote unquote, you need to get all different angles, all different stretches and uh, different functions of the muscle all worked. So you keep yourself balanced. For example, um, probably a shoulder is a better example here. 
um, if you you know you want big shoulders. So you're trying to do lateral raises all the time. If you only do that, you might create some kind of impingement or overuse injury just by doing that exercise for like a year. So maybe switch it up and add in, you know, rear delt work, front delt work, keep the dumbbells in front of you, behind you, bend the elbows, don't bend the elbows. Lots of different ways to change up the exercise just to keep your body guessing, provide different stimulus, and make sure you're not going through the same movement over and over and over and over. I think of baseball pitchers, for example, uh, some people I work with every day, and a lot of times they're the most screwed up people I've ever seen because they go through the same movement since they're, you know, six years old throwing that baseball. And it's that repetitive beating up over and over again, which is going to cause problems. So you need to keep yourself balanced and healthy. And that's one reason why you should switch up your exercises. However, there is a problem with switching up too much, which means the big variations or even too often. One of them is that it's going to be really hard for you to track progress. If you're always switching up your exercises, like how are you going to know if you're getting stronger if you constantly have a new exercise that you're doing that day or that week Uh, another way is going to be you're never going to develop that neuromuscular connection so if you're new to fitness or if you are maybe beginner in a certain exercise like if you've never done a this is a good example is a great example good job jordan a ring dip if you've never done a ring dip with gymnastic rings you're going to soon see that they're very very hard you're going to be shaking like a leaf when you try to do your first ring dip and maybe it's going to take two, three, even four weeks for you to master that ring dip where it's solid, right? All that happened in that time, you didn't grow, you didn't sprout some crazy strong triceps in the time in that two or three week period. What you did is build the neuromuscular connections, the muscle memory uh, of that movement. So your body got used to supporting itself on the gymnastic rings, staying tight where you need to and going through that movement on that unstable uh, surface, right? If you all of a sudden switch up your exercise, you aren't really progressing as much as you could be because the adaption, the quote unquote plateau might just be your brain adapting, right? So if someone is squatting for the first time, in the first couple months, they're going to be putting on probably 10 pounds a week or a workout on their squat or even more just because that neuromuscular connection is so powerful, right? You keep on building that up. When it drops down to only be able to put on 5 pounds a week or maybe you know 10 pounds every other week, they're going to get frustrated and think they need to switch it up. However, you are actually you're actually inhibiting the whole process of progressive overload there. So you need to be careful not to switch things up too much. That's probably the main reason. Uh, Keep it interesting, but also keep the programming smart. That's what I would say. The basic programming that I do, like I talked about the principles, is the slight variations, but also in the time periods, I kind of follow just like a a 412 method or a 411 method, you could say, uh, where the variations are changing every four weeks. And that's going to be very slight variations. And then maybe the total exercises or the goals are changing every 12 weeks. And that's or 11 with a deload. That's kind of how my programming looks for clients is 11 week one is testing the next 10 weeks are workouts using certain movements changing every three or four weeks and then week 12 is going to be doing the same testing as week one and deloading so you're ready for the next cycle that's smart programming and that's really how to make good progress for a long time and that's what i think about switching up exercises workout wednesday
All right, guys, answered my four questions here today. Hit 45 minutes just about, so I'm going to call it quits for today. Thank you for joining me for this Q&A on this Workout Wednesday. I appreciate all of you and the support you bring to the podcast. Couldn't grow without you. Couldn't grow without your subscriptions, your reviews, your sharing, your following, all of the things you do to help me. Keeps me motivated. Keeps me rolling. Once again, if you're interested in coaching, go to triplefpodcast.com slash products. I'll link that in the description of the show as always. Check that out and check out the different options uh, for nutrition, uh, life, and fitness coaching that I offer. Uh, That helps support the show more than you could ever imagine. I'm done for today, this Wednesday, January 10. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you guys on Friday for a foodie Friday, but uh, hopefully you guys finish the week strong. I'll see you then, guys. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on fitness, food, and freedom.